This week's episode is sponsored by Butter Skin, a new line of skincare that's formulated specifically for melanin-rich skin tones like ours. It's a simple three-step kit that features a gentle cleanser, a vitamin C serum that helps reduce the appearance of dark spots and hyperpigmentation, and a facial shea butter. This stuff is magic in a bottle for our skin. The organic shea butter uh, is sourced directly from Ghana. I love the glow that it gives my skin. Butter is giving a 20% discount to our listeners on their complete skincare kit when you use the code GROWN at checkout. Just go to butterskin.com to get the glowing skincare you've always wanted. That's B-U-T-T-A-H-S-K-I-N.com and use the code GROWN at checkout to get 20% off. All my niggas in the whole wide world made this song. This song is for us. This shit is for us. Don't try to come <laughs> for us. It's for us. I just thought we needed just a little bit, you know. Thank you, Solange. A little bit of fubu. Praise the Lord, niggas. Woo! Listen. Praise the Lord, niggas. Whoosh. Yeah. Because that's all that we can do. Given given the state of the world that we find ourselves in, but we are back we sure are. and we are going to trudge through together um, these ghetto streets of adulthood, the worst hood we've ever endeavored to live in, the test, the trials, the twists, the turns, the temptations, and the taxes. Black adult. Um, black adult. Being a real life adult in the year of our Lord, 2020. Which I would, which black mm. adulthood, black mm. navigating blackness in an anti-black world. Isn't that like a thing, huh? But how are you, sis? What's happening? What's going on? You, you know, I just sit back and I say, well, shit, <laughs> I'm living in a history book. Woo! Child. Like, like dead ass. Legit. My grandchildren will read about me. Listen. We got to make sure they do. They will read about what happened in the world that I lived in. So well, my great-grandchildren, great-great, whatever. But, you know, it's uh, I'm trying to maintain, because we have a really awesome kitchen table talk coming up, very timely, uh, very informative. Um, we try to keep it very aligned with what's going on in the world today, but informative and, you know, we have a wonderful, special, beautiful guest, one of our very favorites. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, I'm just I'm I'm just here, like trying to navigate in this world and I'm using my my personal protests and my personal um activism as, you know, trying to give the world some joy. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I'm still working on these cooking and these drinking videos because I'm like you know, there's still niggas in the house. And I mean, we deserve and to have amazing food and beverage. You know, a libation and an easy, and an easy but tasty I mean, meal. So that's that's what I'm doing right now. I'm using my protest and my rebellion um, as this little bit of joy that I try to put. I actually felt guilty about it for a while, if I'm going to be perfectly mm. honest. Like, I felt a little guilty. And I said, you know, I don't ever want it to come off as... Uh, you know, uh, uh, being tone deaf mm -hmm. and, but you know what, but then I, I countered that and I said, 
girl, you've been black your whole and life. I mean, one <laughs> you of know the what I'm saying? Of black people. <laughs> I've I've been like I was I was I am black. I was raised Listen, black. I'm, I'm very black internally. There are things about me that are unequivocally black, and I wouldn't trade it. It makes my teeth white. Like for one thing in the world. Not one little iota. Mm -hmm. And so even in a world where we have constant reminders that we are not valued as a people, I'm going to let my people know like, you know what? We still are allowed to have that little bit of joy yeah. though. You know what I'm saying? Even this, even our ancestors, even the slaves didn't work in the field 24-7. Like these niggas partied a little bit in I the back. I think we are not only just allowed to have it, but I think we are required to sustain it. We are entitled. We are entitled to it and we are required <laughs> to sustain it. That means that we have to be intentional yes. about having it and protecting it from the people who want Absolutely. to steal it from us. So Absolutely. We deserve joy. Absolutely. So that's, that's where what, I'm at. I'm that monopolized all of that. How are you, sis? Child, that was not a monopoly. You just answered the question. I'm I am staying oh. alive. I'm <laughs> staying alive and and staying present and keeping perspective. And I'm so glad that you were talking about um you you were transparent about guilt that you've been feeling. Um, because I too have been struggling with that because, you know, I am very aware and affected by what is going on in the world right now. And um, I started to feel um, guilty because I don't feel equipped or prepared mm -hmm. to engage in the protest in the ways that others are. There are other conditions that I have to be mindful of as it relates to myself mm -hmm. and my family. Um, and I yep. was, I, I worried, I wouldn't want people to think that that meant that I was any less invested in our, in our, in the Absolutely. movement or in our, our, our work for social justice and our fight for social justice. But like you, like you, when I sat with myself yesterday, I had some, some time, spent some time reflecting and in my prayer journal and just kind of thinking, um, because it's easy to kind of fall into that place of helplessness and powerlessness, like pow powerlessness, mm -hmm. like what in the world could I do? to address such a huge problem. But I felt um, in that time, I felt um, led, <laughs> I felt um, <laughs> led to remember that um, like you, I have been black my whole life and this is not new. This, this commitment to protecting the essence of that blackness and to celebrating it and to promoting it and to making sure that other people respect mm -hmm. and acknowledge it is 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 mm -hmm. literally been the fabric of my work for my whole career my whole life and so i although i couldn't you know i i, I couldn't join um the people on the streets i thought started thinking what it what is it that i can do and you know mm -hmm. to help and i remember you know um I remember that like, you know, the, the research that I am privileged to have been trained to do and, and am still doing, mm -hmm. you know, has always been about uh, empowering institutions um, and giving them skills and strategies to literally embody the organizational change that we need to eradicate racism and structural barriers to inclusion. Yep. And, and me doing that work is my contribution to the movement. And if I just find a way to settle in and focus and do that work, that's my part. That's my contribution because can't nobody do that part of the work because that's literally my piece of the pie to do. So I started mm. thinking about all the other people who are like me 
And what if, you know, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity, this is going to be a part of my black woman self-care, but I'll spill the tea right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, Team Typing Fast was uh, literally about building that community and accountability and support and creating space for people who are like me, who have work to do and feel compelled to do it. And sometimes we get tired, but if we lean on each other, we can continue to do it and do the hell out of it. So what I decided mm-hmm. to do was I started having these virtual writing groups. And I would open up a Zoom. I would create a sign-up because I didn't want just people off the street just coming into the function. So I would create a sign-up. People who were in the <sighs> in the Teen Type of Fast uh, Facebook group or who follow us on social media were able to sign up. Mm-hmm. And we met and we sat down. And all of us, we would introduce ourselves and talk about who we are and the work that we're doing. And it was awesome. The women that were coming in there were lawyers and medical doctors and PhDs and entrepreneurs and um, biz- like bi- business owners, business developers, people who are working on business proposals and grant, grant writing grants and, and doing reports and, and doing research um, and not for themselves, but for issues like, you know, mm-hmm. for, to address issues of public health, to illuminate existing disparities, to um, give people the tools and the strategies that they need to effectuate the change that we are seeking. And we literally just convened and I cut on a playlist and we would introduce ourselves and say what we had to say. We would check in and like we would commit to writing for a certain block of time two, three hours, and we would check in on each other and see how everyone was doing. We would encourage each other and pull each other through. And just in those two, three days of having those writing sessions, women from all over the country, students, graduate students, adults, professionals, everyone just coming in and saying, you know, I was able to sit down and get so much work done. I've been so distracted by what's going on in the world that I have been struggling to get my work done. And I'm like, girl, me too. Why you think I did it? But I just, I realized mm-hmm. that this was my part. You know, it's like the, the revolution has to be everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It has to be yeah. everywhere. Those of us who are in academic spaces, we have to come together and figure out how we can, uh, you know, be radical and affect change and demand man change in those spaces and we have to sit down and strategize and think about how to do that work so i'm i'm feeling charged i'm feeling um grateful and i'm trying to mm-hmm. you know dig into that and and use that as a mm. way to like to battle all the anxiety that comes from being in a world that doesn't acknowledge my humanity and doesn't and doesn't mm. respect my safety and does not and does not mm. um and is indifferent to my to my success so I think that I think when you ask me how I'm doing my I'm I'm trying to keep perspective right now because emotionally and physically I'm tired and I'm afraid I'm being real transparent I'm afraid Mm -hmm. I'm a black woman I live alone in a city and a state where I don't Mm -hmm. have any family and I have family Mm -hmm. and you know friends and family that I know that I that will ride for me but I have to be conscious I'm also you know the so I'm not my I'm my mother's only child now, you know. Mm-hmm. So there are things that I have to be conscious of, and I feel like I've been sent here to do work, and I'm trying to do it, and the world is burning down around me. But if I just dig in, Sis. if I just if I just <laughs> dig in and commit to doing what it is that I'm supposed to do, I have to trust that the he who sent me here is gonna protect me and keep me through it. So I'm keeping my head Ooh. down. I'm keeping my head down. I'm trying to pack up all my belongings and move it to that house that the Lord has blessed me with and set it up yes. and not go crazy. You know, I'm trying to wash my hands and make sure my face is moisturized and I'm trying to not eat up everything, <laughs> not eat up everything I see. I'm trying to take walks and move my body every day. I'm trying to talk to my sis and people that I love and, and be remember and remember that, you know, 
I'm not in this by myself. So I'm I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I feel like I have to be okay. We we are we have to I'm leaning on Jade. I'm leaning on Crystal and Fran and Keisha and mm-hmm. Nakia and Sophia. I'm leaning on Latoya. I'm leaning on the people that mm-hmm. are around me and literally who I rely on to keep me here, keep me grounded. And my and my therapist. I'm That's leaning it. on her. And I'm leaning on Jesus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. But that was a very long answer. I mean, yeah, we gotta we gotta pray and meditate. You gotta, you know, if Jesus, everybody, God, ancestors, guides, <laughs> just light beings, you know, we gotta pray. We have to meditate and try to keep our heads in all of this. I'm committed to um continuing this journey. I don't know exactly where it's supposed to lead, and I tried to figure out exactly where my protest resides. I don't need to be the nigga in the street. No, we going to be the niggas behind the my microphone. Temper, we going to be the niggas on getting My temper grown. is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, your girl has tempers. And and I'm not, I, don't, I can't make it to Brooklyn to get you out of the of the bing. Okay? Right. And, so, and I also have a child. Yes. So my activism is making sure that I raise a socially aware, yes. emotionally intelligent Absolutely. child who will be the next generation of what you all need to help carry out some of these policies and plans that we'll talk about in the kitchen table. And, you know, also, you know, put your girl on the food network. I see no representation, you know, shout out to Marcus Samuelson, a black face. Yes, but he was raised by Swedish Mm. people. You know what I'm saying? Sonny Anderson. We definitely don't come from the same place, not with those those wigs. And so, I want to see a person like myself who represents just regular ass black girls we have. raising kids and smoking a little <laughs> weed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to see a little bit of representation. And so my work is going to be to continue to be that representation for every little girl behind me who feels like they don't know exactly what their activism is supposed to be, but it lies somewhere rolled up in their blood ah. i don't know so <laughs> you know what i'm saying i just we're just we just want to impart a little bit of um light yes and a little hope we just need it don't uh, we all need it girl we need it right I now need. while we're living in this world and have constant reminders and helicopters mm. above our building all i mean we're on, we're on curfews night. and child we are child on a curfew rest, okay we are just literally behind closed doors trying to stay safe and alive um, okay that's it. So we, but we applaud and stand um, with, appreciate every yes, single indeed. one, and stand with and Absolutely. behind and on in front of mm-hmm. and next to, holding hands, intertwined fingers, with every single one of you in whatever form of activism and rebellion that you are shining onto this world, whether that be on the front lines, whether that be through working through policies with programs and organizations, whether it be you sitting in your fucking apartment and writing your paper so that you can graduate and help to sit at, sit at different tables tables that Kia talks about that we need for our people in the future, whatever that may be, we just want to impart a little peace and light onto you as you do that work. So with that being said, we are actually not going to really do a trash because segment the world uh, is trash. because the world is a <laughs> is a burning dumpster fire. <laughs> Help us, trash. God. Help us, Jesus. 
but we will talk a little bit about insecure so let's 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 still let's still let betty come on over because she's always welcome here appropriate to have the cleanup woman here either even though we're not having a standard trash segment because my god (laughs) so we are going to start off by saying as always this is not the insecure recap show this is getting grown the insecure recap show is also on your apple platforms your spotify's or wherever you may be listening hosted by our actual sisters crystal jean and Franiqua. So <laughs> make sure <laughs> you go and listen to the, <laughs> So make sure you go and listen to the um official recap show. Shout out to our sisters three million Yay. on the books. I don't know if it's I already said that or not, but <laughs> but it deserves to be said twice. But let's get a little bit into it. So sis, tell me your thoughts. Your I'm triggered. Your I was very triggered by the entire I was triggered by the entire mm enterprise of episode eight of insecure Mm. i'm not entirely sure what it was that had me uneasy and on edge as i was watching but i was just like what am i looking at (laughs) like what is happening (laughs) i don't really know what's what's going on i don't really know what it all means but we uh, we are not okay i will say that um isa falling on her face was just the kind of but that's what i love about insecure yeah. there's always these moments that make us re- relate yes. like i feel like i could relate to isa in that moment because Same. i too have found myself <laughs> on the floor Same. in an establishment and was just like well lord how did we get here um so we um i just make a little routine I, out I, of I, it. <laughs> Yeah, we have to we have to acknowledge that. Um, I just also feel like we would be remiss in it in not acknowledging this red jacket with no shoulders. Oh, the jazzy <laughs> like, shoulders blazer. I said, come on here, cold shoulder blazer. Okay. That's what uh, XD and I like to call jazzy shoulders. That's This is not my lane. Those kinds of blouses no. and tops and things no. are just not my particular no. aesthetic. But it did work for Issa. I wasn't upset. So I think overall, I am left um, torn. Um, I shouldn't even say that. I, I was uncomfortable last night because y'all know that I am not a romantic. So for all the girls who were looking all dreamy-eyed, at the end of last night's episode, like, <laughs> you know, and singing Sierra's Promise and, you know, Chris Brown, yo, Same I just Sierra's wasn't prayer. there. I was, I was not, right. I was just not there. I was just like, oh, uh, this, I just was saying, this is a mistake. This is a mistake <laughs> of epic proportion. I felt like it was a total lapse in judgment on both Issa's part and on Lawrence's part. I felt like, what are we doing? Like, what? Like you don't call me to the restaurant. You don't call me down to have a conversation and lead with what I've been thinking about what would no, have happened if I didn't give key up. Key. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are we doing? And I felt like if it were me, I would have asked that question immediately. Like before the even conversation, like, like, like kicked off. Like when Lauren said, you know, I've been thinking about you. I just wanted, and I would, my, my follow-up would have been like, for what? But but that's me. <laughs> that's me. But I mean, beautifully shot. I think it was very it was oh, very Melina beautiful. It was a very beautiful wow. episode. 
it was a beautiful episode to watch. I really enjoyed it. It was entertaining, but I was just very, very much uncomfortable with what was going on in the lives of the characters. You know, but I will stop talking now and allow you to. No, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Issa. Her passiveness, you know, frustrates me at times. Now, Molly, I sincerely just can't stand. But uh, which is interesting because somebody said Molly's a Taurus, which makes sense. But I love all Tauruses. So, but anyway, um, Issa's passiveness frustrates me because, as you would have been like, for what? I would have in the. I wouldn't have set my entire ass in the seat yet before I looked at this nigga in the face and been like, so what's what up? What, what, what I'm here for? <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to see what the rest of my night is going to be looking like. I need to understand exactly what we're doing. And I've actually kind of been down this road before. I remember after me and my ex had broken up and he was officially with the girl who he left me for, but then they had broken up maybe or something and he and I were, you know, chilling one weekend, visiting, rolling around. And his cousin called him. And his cousin says, oh, yes, we know we're on a curfew. Thank you for the warning. Um, okay, them things that Muriel says, Muriel gave me a, a heart attack last night sending that, uh, <laughs> sending that thing. That, my watch started buzzing, and it was like this, un, this, this unfamiliar buzz that it had never buzzed before. And I was like, well, what is happening? <laughs> I've never seen Talk this about. yellow caution sign before, though. So that's right. fascinating. They literally letting us know that the curfew is in place. It's like, girl, we're not we going nowhere. It. Okay, anyway, nobody was still with these niggas anyway. So, oh, the ex. That's what I was telling you. So we're rolling around. This nigga's on the phone with his cousin. And his cousin's like, what you doing? I'm in New York visiting my girl. Okay. And it was that moment, actually, where I was like, oh, no. Nah. No, 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 no. You're not going to. You're not going to take this 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 uh, title that comes with a certain amount of security and safety and, you know, um, investment. You're not going to take that and loosely use it as such. And that was the trigger that I needed to be like, yeah, I'm good on this. But I was there where, you know, you're acting as everything is normal and it's just not. <laughs> it was very evident that it just wasn't normal. And so, you know, I have my own predictions, but I'll keep them to myself. What do you think is happening with canola oil? Well, you know, candelabra, <laughs> um, as uh, as uh, the, the, Felicia <laughs> called her that last night, and I just so much enjoyed it. Uh, I am. I have a. I she she and I shared a speculation. Um, well, she shared it with me, and I hope she doesn't mind. I'm just kind of kind of like borrow it. I'll give you credit though, Fifi. Fifi. Fifi argues that uh, Candelabra might be the pregnant. Okay, so I too thought colloquialism was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I too. <laughs> I said, well, I just know exactly what this text message means. So listen, because there was a sense of urgency in Contraption's text. Yeah. Contraption was just like, she was like, I need to see you right now. I need to talk to you. Well, I'm, though I'm paraphrasing. But I mean to text and call and text and call and text and call four times. Now, I had a conversation with one, with someone, like, you know, guys would tell me, some guys feel like 
women calling calling and texting back to forth back and forth mm-hmm. like back to back like that is not an uncommon thing mm. that's not something that i do mm. but i was quickly mm. told by a very special individual in my life that i'm different than, than the God, rest i hate than, when than, say than, that I, I hate it right so <laughs> so i hate it so um yes so so I that that's where we went and the more and more Felicia said it I was like you know it is not I mean it is not it is not you know a far-fetched conclusion to to yes and then now you know and for a hot second Mm -hmm. you know just Lawrence's tone when he stepped outside to talk to Calamon Lotion I (laughs) we had (laughs) this is is so much fun (laughs) you know it was like they made you think okay are they like is he trying to play to both of them or what but no the urgency just really is giving me it's really just giving me prayers energy yes 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 so commencement really did and i felt like he was listening to her to her with a certain level of like I'm going to try to make it like he seemed concerned about whatever it was yeah. that, um, you know, continuation wanted to talk about. So insecurity moment prediction. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen uh, based off of this scenario? What do you think would happen between Lawrence and Issa? How do you think Issa's going to respond to this? If. Um, if and when. <laughs> <laughs> if i'm trying to find another c word right now hold on um. <laughs> if counterproductivity is in fact pregnant okay um i think that it will i'm, I'm so so okay what my pushback on or to felicia when, when we were talking about it last night was that it would surprise me that if she is pregnant, she would she would keep the baby. Mm. But if she chooses to do that, um, or not do it, or whatever, whatever her choice is, mm. and you know, um, if 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 whether whether or not she decides to keep the baby or not, in in her intention in in reaching out to Lawrence was to communicate that she was in fact pregnant. And Issa found out about it. I don't know. Uh, I think, okay, so I think that, that that's going to be the cliffhanger uh, because, you know, it kind of it kind of throws everything into this state of flux, mm. right? So it was like Lawrence was considering San Francisco, um, but if this baby is actually a thing, that might be off the table. Issa may or may not, because I'm not entirely sure what I'm feeling about that, this them re- reconnecting in this way may or may not mean that there's a possibility of them kind of rekindling um you know that may be a thing um and then you know we have to also contend with what molly and others will have to say in response mm-hmm. to all of this mm-hmm. happening so i don't know i think i think my prediction is that um conjugation is pregnant <laughs> um or that she wants him back and then it's going to be like Lawrence is like going to make the choice but I also feel like if she's not pregnant he's going to go to um San Francisco 
he was going to ask Issa, Issa to come with him. Mm. And then the situation will be flipped where he will be the successful one with the job and she will be the one who is kind of in the grassroots kind of stage of the, the kind of building kind of building stage of her life and career. And then the roles would be reversed. So I, I could kind of see those things, those things playing out, but we also haven't dealt with the fact that when Nathan called, um, What's, I mean, what when they were on the phone last week and Issa was at the house, we haven't dealt with no, that. That's not. also on the table. No, we have not. We don't. We haven't heard from Nathan yet. We have not dealt with that. We haven't dealt with that. So I, so I definitely like think Conjunction Junction. What's your function? Is <laughs> what's your function? <laughs> pregnant. Um, I don't know though because of Lawrence and Issa's history. You know, and because this show likes to just leave us on an edge, I don't know exactly what. Issa's reaction would be in a situation like that. We also don't know, like you said, we've not heard back from Nathan and they are very good about filling in those holes and letting us know what's going on just when we have a question and Secure pops up to answer it. So, let's all tune in. Is next week the finale or is it two weeks? No, we have two more. It's last week, this week's episode was episode eight and I think there are ten episodes yes, in this there's season. Ten. So, my, I, sus- I suspect that um, Next week's episode, we're going to find out what's going to happen between Molly and Issa, if anything. Um, and then I feel like... Oh, the yeah, that's what the preview be, said. You know, that's right. I think the finale will be like, you know, what is going to happen with everybody? That giant-ass cliffhanger <laughs> that they love I mean, to leave I feel us like with. it's going to be major. They just, I mean, every every um, season finale has left us with something. It has never of a fucking failed. And then, you know, we they... They take their time with insecure because they get it right. So, so it's gonna be a little while till we see it again, especially with halted productions right now. Oh, boo. I know. But uh, we have a quick shout out to get to, and then a very important kitchen table. So let's mosey on over to our shout out. My sister's popping right now, like. Okay, so we're back to our regular shout outs. Um, once again, thank you everybody who wrote in. We see that we got some late uh, submissions. My Unfortunately, they will be sitting in that box until the next <laughs> round of graduation announcements. But what we may do is a mini season of graduation announcements in December since there are graduations then so don't worry yes and since um, some hopefully some of these canceled commencements will be postponed until later in the year so we will um you know all is not lost just continue to bear with us and maybe even you know Um, as just to even not overwhelm ourselves we'll do a shorter graduation season in the december months so with that being said our shout out this week in the spirit of um, social justice and yeah. not what uh, what did Lovey say, fucking ally, we need accomplices. So mm. in the spirit of such, I wanted to shout out Lone Body, uh, which is the deodorant that I use. You know, I try to do all things black, but I have to say that Lone gets it right when it comes to what goes under my underarms. And so, you know, I'm very fresh, but I really, 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 really bang with Lone because of what they stand for as a family, Um, as a as a white family. They have put their money 
and their actions where their mouths are, which is more than what we can say for, for many. And so we know that uh, not only are they very vocal about speaking to other white people about their issues and their entitlement, they have also um, put up a post where they said from now through June 20th, they're going to be donating 20% of sales to the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Right. Um, we- they're a very small family-owned business, uh, not a huge conglomeration, and they were able to try to, they said, how can we, how can we do something to contribute to, uh, to contribute to the cause? And so I respect it. So I wanted to shout them out this week. Um, we've spoken about it on many weeks, but we're going to say it again. White people, this is your battle to fight. That's just what it is. Okay. We're tired. We shouldn't have to be fighting it. We are going to continue to fight it, but we shouldn't have to do so. And if you claim to be a friend of ours, then you open up your mouth, you open up your wallet, you open up your fist, you open up your your whatever it is that your personal power is, you do so in order to help to save black bodies. And that's just that on that. That's that on that. So we got a kitchen table to get into. So let's go ahead and get into that. There are other ways to use your phone to escape from reality besides Instagram, like the fun puzzle games, Best Fiends. It's a fun escape from every day. So allow me to explain, okay? Because Best Fiends has been my very favorite way to escape from my family. It is, a, it is the best thing in the world. I'm tired sometimes of scrolling through you all's pictures. I need other things to do. So the meteor smashed into Mount Boom, which brought a force and it changed all of the slugs into these evil, greedy, gobbling monster type of situations. So now the slugs are taking over the world. They're munching a path through minutia and sliming up everything that they touch. And it's up to my fiends to try to, you know, help save the world. Does that sound familiar? Um, so some of my favorite fiends, cause they're actually, they're, they're such fun little characters. There's Bam who lives in a strawberry patch and he looks like he lives in a strawberry patch. (laughs) There's Vincent and the fact that his name is Vincent already makes him one of my favorites. He's got wings. He looks like a little bat roach. Um, There's Miles who lives in the, in the mellow flowers and he is an inchworm. I love my best fiends. Like I love everything about them. So best fiends is unlike any other puzzle game out there. They update the game monthly with new levels and events. So it never gets old and You don't need the internet to play. So you don't need to worry about Wi-Fi access or using cell data. You don't need either one. All you do is download Best Fiends. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already with new levels, events, and characters added every single month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play offline. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best fiends. All right. Welcome to the kitchen table, everyone. We are excited. We are ecstatic, actually, to have a friend of the show back. Uh, she was one of our very first guests on when we had our live one show One of in the very first. Yeah. 
I mean, she like was our special guest. Uh, she popped our cherry. She was our <laughs> special was. guest cherry. Uh, I really needed a laugh we today. Had that was a good time. one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We want to welcome to the kitchen table, everybody. Welcome Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Hey, thanks for having she's me. She's going to. Uh, she's absolutely. married now. We love she to wasn't have married. You back. I first. am. That's right. She's married you now. Said right. Hello, by the way. I'm, Congratulations. Uh, who right. knows if he'll pop in and be ignorant or if he's going to... Uh, Please he's, do. No. <laughs> he's been working real he's hard, welcome. so we'll see. A power Child couple. If you all don't know, this is a power Absolutely. couple. Really okay? Sweet. And two lovely, very black-ass individuals <laughs> that I enjoy. <laughs> I'm like, I love them for the work they do, but I love them for those real nigga-ass yes. moments, too, you that know, bring me joy. We do have I those. mean, we just... We just can count on them. <laughs> I mean, we can count on them. One of my favorites is the uh, the R&B playlist. I well, just I enjoy them that. very we, much. It was funny because we were driving Listen. to church one day, and I was like, we were singing along to, I don't know, probably some Kirk Franklin song. And we don't all sing like Takia, but, you know, we try. So, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> we you can sing, don't play. <laughs> we were in the, uh, oh, trust me, I know. The first time I ever saw Takia, see, she's not going to tell you the story. Right. The first time I ever saw her, I was following her on Instagram <sighs> because Reggie, my husband, was like, oh, yeah, she's dope. That's my homegirl, blah, blah, blah. And he showed me some of your videos. A, you were hilarious, but B, I heard you sing. And I was like, oh, snap. So then one day we get to our church mount eden baptist church in clinton maryland where pastor yeah. delman coates the senior pastor because you know how that's how black people do that part. what a pastor coates. and I'll, there, there was this mm-hmm. guest uh this guest group and all of a sudden i'm like wait a minute she looks so familiar mm-hmm. and i was like oh it's takia i had a total fangirl moment like i think i randomly dm'd her on instagram i was like y'all sound so good oh my gosh this is lit <laughs> but anyway we can't all sing like takia but we were in the car singing along as something She's one talking day about fangirl and i was like what should i put it at? i was like what hashtag should i use and i was like reggie and Brittany, it's sunday r&b sunday and i was like oh <gasps> Our initials are R and B. Everything changed after that. <laughs> Everything changed after that. Everything. <laughs> One of my favorite That's videos adorable. of you all was uh, Reggie. Reggie turned. Brittany has one of those beautiful, unique. Booty chins is what I've been calling them since yes, I was I little, and I love them. That's what they call. They call booty chins. I got that is what they booty are. chins. I used to be I used to be jealous because I wanted a booty chin. <laughs> if you look them up in a medical dictionary, that's what they're called: booty chins. Literally, yeah. booty, booty chins. chins. Absolutely. So was doing. He was making Britney's booty chin uh, sing "Back That Ass Up," and when I tell you, <laughs> it was twerking. If it's a it booty, it's got to twerk, right? Highlights of my internet life. <laughs> I'm so glad we could bring you entertainment. I actually have that. <laughs> Y'all do. Listen, a, a relationship goal in, in real live it color, if that's what it is. But we are excited to have you. If you've been living under a rock for the last few years and have no idea who this awesome, brilliant black woman is, um, I'm sorry for you. But you're in luck because we're going to have some awesome conversation sure with her are. today about the state of inferno that this world mm-hmm. is right now. Um, and we just wanted to you know, have you on, um, cause you are a trusted voice. Uh, um, and that, and, and they're few and far between, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at mm-hmm. this point. Um, so before we kind of get into the meat of the matter, I wanted to give you an opportunity to, um, introduce yourself and, and tell people who you are. We know, you know, they can, you can go on brittanypacknet.com and read your bio, but tell us, uh, I know, I particularly know that, you know, um, yeah, as an educator first and an activist, and I feel like 
knowing uh, that about you, I feel like your activism began in the classroom when you started, um, you know, uh, act, um, advocating for your students. And I'd love if you could tell our listeners about your journey from the classroom to Teach for America and from Teach for America to the kind of work that you do yeah, right now. Yeah, and I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, like, if we go all the way back to the beginning, I didn't have any choice but to be this because I was raised by two activists. And my very first mm, mm. Uh, protest, I was, like, in a stroller. Like, we was in a rally, and I was, you know, lifting yes, up my sippy cup. I love like, that. that's, that's what I, I raised live. to the roof. And... Um, <laughs> I um I'm grateful to have been raised by two God-fearing people who who I would say taught me a radical Christ, but the truth of the matter is Christ is radical, period. Like that's just who he is. Absolutely. Um, and we say that again. We we like to differentiate him with some extra title. And it was like, no, if you read the instruction manual, that's who he was all the time. That's who he remains. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, yeah, I come to this justice work honest both um, by my upbringing and by my faith. And so, yeah, the classroom was definitely a stage of revolution for me. I believe the classroom is um, the first line of revolution. Like if we are not raising young people mm -hmm. who are obsessed with their own power, obsessed mm. with their own ability to use the skills that are imparted in the classroom in ways that fundamentally shift the ground they walk on, then like we not doing it right. Um, and, you know, on my best days, I was doing some of that. On my worst days, I was trying to figure out how mm -hmm. to do it. I learned a lot in the classroom. But most importantly, I learned um, that young people don't come to us as empty vessels and we need to pour into them. They have power and brilliance and gifts and talents. Absolutely. And it's our job to help them tap into those feel empowered to use them in the ways that they're purposed for. Um, and that's the same approach that I try to bring to my activism. So um, I spend time in the classroom. I spent time on Capitol Hill. I spent time working in education policy for a long time, especially with communities of color and indigenous communities. Um, then I went back home and led uh, Teach for America in St. Louis. Um, I started in 2012 and midway through my tenure, Michael Brown Jr. was killed. So here we are with a student that graduated from a school where we placed teachers um, and all of those uh, old activist muscles, if you will, were reactivated. And I was reminded that mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't enough to sit behind a desk and talk about social justice for me, right? That is some mm -hmm. people's purpose and that works and they make important contributions. But if I went back to my roots, I had to be proximate. Brian Stevenson talks about that, that concept all the time that in order to create true change, you have to be proximate. So uh, went back out into the streets. He was killed August 9th. My first day on the streets uh, during the Ferguson uprising in particular was August 10th. Um, and then the, re mm -hmm. the next 400 days of direct sustained social action um, was uh, involved in front of and behind the scenes, um, met incredible people that I never would have known had it not been for that rebellion. Um, people who have fundamentally shifted the world's understanding of what black people deserve and how we get there. Um, so I'm honored to count myself in the number, right? Cause there are literally thousands of us, some of whom are not still here. Uh, and so I want to mm -hmm. honor that. Like I sit in a lot of seats of privilege where I can talk to people about what justice looks like, how we should pursue it, mm -hmm. um, how we should talk about it, how we should think about it. Um, but um, th this, I call it a privileged seat because there are so many people who are smarter than me, 
more brave than me, tougher than me, um, but just um, didn't have all the same opportunities. And so I try to make sure I carry them um, with me wherever I go and whenever I do this work. So now I do this work um, in a lot of spaces. I'm trying to finish my first book. Lord have mercy, this thing is going to kill me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) God, I mean, you know how this is, like writing, you know, what is it, team typing fast? I've been typing real slow, so I need to figure it out. (laughs) No, you know, you're typing fast. (laughs) to figure it out you have been um, typing fast so right, finishing my first book which is a, a curated collection of speeches by black women throughout history and some personal essays that i've added in there because i just feel like black women have all the wisdom that we need right now um i um co-host a, another podcast called pod save the people where we try to educate people on how social injustice manifests in people's everyday life and understand all the stories that are not being told in mainstream media and then i put on my mainstream media hat because I'm a commentator on MSNBC and NBC News um, and then co-founder of Campaign Zero, which is funny because and I'll, we can talk about it. But in this time, people are like, what's the plan yeah. for police violence? And I'm like, we wrote the yeah. plan five years ago. Let me show it to you. Yes, it's been a, it's been available <laughs> yeah, for yeah. your So for it's your okay. Review. If people don't know, we'd be happy to welcome you to the team. But right. um, so this this work on ending police violence, ending systemic racism has been my work for a long time, but especially over the last six years or so. So, yeah, here we are. Ooh. We're excited to have you here. The intro. I mean, <laughs> intro. No. Y'all hear that? I mean, Jen, I can always count on you for, like, no, I think, the best yeah. commentary. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I just sit over here like, like a useless weed head. I do, like... Not shut, useless. Um, you bring the joy, and I appreciate it. Well, so as you say that, I actually, I love that you pointed out um, and you specified, you went back and and doubled down on it about uh, this being your work and your activism and what you feel like you need to be doing, but how that looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's important for us to speak on because, you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about people who post social media posts and yeah. you know, they're saying, Oh, that's just, that's not enough. That That's not all you need to be doing. And you know, to a degree they're right. Mm-hmm. But to try to label activism as one single lane, like one, one solitary yeah. entity. I like that you pointed that out. Can you, can you speak a little bit more to that about like just different forms of activism and, and maybe different ways that you've seen it? Yeah, I think that is so critically important, and I'm glad you started there for a couple of reasons. One, we are experiencing a very judgmental culture. We can argue all day as to whether or not cancel culture actually exists. What I do know is that this is a judgmental culture. I am totally a part of it. I'm not casting judgment on anybody else because I have to own it for myself. Um, But we are constantly looking at what other folks are doing instead of taking the time to say, well, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that because of the judgment, folks, that can push folks into a performative space. So suddenly it's about, well, how many things have I posted Mm -hmm. today? How many times did I go live about this? How many um, links did I post? Blah, 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 blah. And 
you really genuinely have to search your heart for your purpose. Um, there is a, we can't act like social media doesn't have a real function. The most tweeted hashtag in the first 10 years of Twitter's existence was Ferguson. You, we would not all be sitting here talking to each other if hashtag Ferguson didn't exist. There Absolutely. would be people who do not know in this current moment how to protest, what to protest about, where, what websites to look at, who to follow, which policies to read if it weren't for social media, if it weren't for that hashtag, if it weren't for a lot of other hashtags. So Mm -hmm. we shouldn't dismiss one tool just because it doesn't have the power of all the tools. And And I use the toolbox analogy all the time. I honestly often use it about voting because people are like, well, it's not gonna do anything. And I was like, yeah, that's because everything's not mm-hmm. a nail and therefore you don't have to use a hammer for everything. But sometimes you need your hammer and I'm not going to leave mm-hmm. that mug in the toolbox and just be like, I don't need it. Can you imagine right. trying to build a house with no hammer? That's ridiculous. So right. in the same right. way, there are so many tools in the toolbox. We're the tools. Some of us need to, some of us need to perform one function. Some of us need to perform others. Some of us have the special ability to perform multiple functions at once, but just because one tool is multi-use and another is not, that doesn't mean that either of the tools are useless. Uh, mm-hmm. When we were in Ferguson, there were medics. There were folks who were training the medics. There were people who were opening up their homes as safe spaces. There were people who mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. Uh, leading the chants. There were people who were on the bullhorn. There were people who were at the back. I was often one of the people at the back of the march who was trying to make sure nobody was left behind um, and everybody was taken care of because it's mm-hmm. in the back spaces where the police can come and rough people up out of the line of sight of the cameras uh, and 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 the lights. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think all the time and talk all the time about a woman named Mama Cat, who is a hero of mine. She started an organization called the Pop Bangers. She works specifically um, uh, with housing insecure and homeless populations um, to ensure that they are living with dignity, that they have the resources that they need, that they're gaining the skills that they need uh, to be able um, to hopefully one day lead a different life. But her gift, similar to you, honestly, Jade, is to feed people. And so mm-hmm. Mama Cat would literally come out with like home cooked meals for people mm-hmm. on the protest mm-hmm. line. So you're not sitting there eating the same McDonald's fries every mm-hmm. night trying to run from the police. Cause let me tell you, baby, trans fats and running from tear gas do not go together. Okay. Oh, I, I <laughs> <You> can, <laughs> it ain't gonna work. Like you just are not going to be in the shape you need to be. So she would come out there with meals that were cooked with so much love. And you know, the protesters are a family. So she would literally host holiday meals for folks who might not get one anywhere else. And at the very least, if they had been kicked out of their homes for the work that they were doing, if they had lost their job for the work that they were doing and couldn't afford that Thanksgiving feast, she gave it to them, right? So she wasn't out there being the one who was always in in front of the protest. She was not the loudest. She was not the one with the sign. And yet her activism, her contribution was essential to our ability to mount the pressure that we did and make the world pay attention. So the real question is, what do you want to be true in the world because you are here? And I'm not talking like in the next 50 years. I'm talking like in the next two, in the next five. (laughs) And what gifts and talents do you have that intersect with that passion? Wherever that intersection is, that's where you should start your work. You don't have to worry about being like anybody else. All I need you to do is drive in your lane. If we all drive in our lane, we can get to the destination together instead of getting in each other's way. But there are people with so many gifts that we need to make manifest in this moment. And that requires all of us not trying to be like the archetype or model of 
our activism that we see somewhere else, but making our unique and divine contribution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. My toes are tingling right now because this is the language that I speak. You know, I, I work in at a think tank and we provide educational resources for mm-hmm. colleges and universities to take on this work of organizational change for inclusion and yeah. equity and social justice um, at the collegiate level. And we talk about these things um, and, you know, everything that you're saying, you know, it's right there. It's it's it syncs up and lines up with what the larger bodies of literature around social justice and I'm sure, you know, um, organizational mm-hmm. change, organizational learning. But what I love about what you're saying is that, you know, it really begins with uh, self. And a couple of days ago on your um, Instagram, you posted some awesome slides and resources from your days at Harvard where you were talking about um, some self-reflection work that you had mm-hmm. to do, um, you know, during your time in Ferguson when you're thinking about um, just kind of recasting, asking yourself some yeah. critical questions. And that's really the first step to this work. Um, so I wanted to, if you could, like, you know, just talk a little bit about some of that. Because one of the things that's most striking to me um, in this work is the ways um, in which, you know, when we're dealing with racism and targeted mm-hmm. attacks on black people is how the media is used as a strategic mm-hmm. tool of division and white supremacy. Yeah. So like, you know, how the media is like, you know, you know, thinking about words that are used and who are the arbiters mm-hmm. of those words. So you talked um, a few days ago about like this this concept of quote unquote yeah. violence um, and, you know, how that how that conversation begins with asking yourself about the judgments and preconceived notions that we, we yeah. have um, as a result of media messages. So like you just kind of. Take yeah, us there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so interesting because I I didn't get into Harvard when I applied undergrad. But listen, mm. when God has a plan, God got a plan. He says, listen, "I don't need you to go to Harvard. Me. I need you to teach up. at Harvard." So here we are, <laughs> and I'm sitting Absolutely. there having conversations don't about intersectional activism and uh, protest and all this. I, you know, I, I'm sure it was some people who came in the room like, "Did we hire the right one?" And I was like, "Well, I'm here now." No, the the Harvard um, Institute <laughs> exactly. of Politics family is is really important to me, and they were super supportive of trying to provide uh, curriculum and content for young people who are really, honestly, for community because they were open to anybody. We had people coming from Boston College, we had people coming from high school, we had people leaving work early to come. Like we just had such an incredible community that was built um, that Harvard was really supportive of. Um, but people are really hungry for direction uh, in in moments like mm-hmm. these. People who are of good conscience and say, I don't just want to tweet about it. I don't just want to donate for it or to it, rather. I really want to do something. And to your point, Takia, I said, the, the thing that you actually have to do is start with self. So we're going to talk about these mm-hmm. important, critical concepts. We're going to talk about how white middle-class dominant culture shows up in everyday life. We're going to talk about how it manifests, how it manifests in movements, how it manifests outside of movements and can threaten to harm movements movements, but understand that this dominant culture, that white supremacy is something, is a, it's a smog. So we all breathe it in. Therefore, the mm-hmm. only way for all of us to do this work well is to start to unlearn the things we've ingested, period. Um, and so those Absolutely. reflection questions, you know, I wasn't technically a teacher. I was leading a study group, so I couldn't assign homework or anything like that. So the reflection questions were a way for me to give people something to leave with. And ultimately, because we couldn't film 
film our, our sessions, I wanted to make sure to give the public something um, because I had people hit me up all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, can I stream it somewhere? And I was like, unfortunately, I can't because those are the rules. So the, those reflection questions were the, the opportunity for me to do that because um, I had found that people were like, posting them up in their dorm rooms and on their cubicles because they wanted to work differently, live differently, raise their children differently. And these Mm -hmm. reflection questions are just an opportunity for them to do that. So as an example, and all of them are reflection questions I have wrestled with and still wrestling with. One of the ones I talked about, um, to your point about media, you know, America in particular likes to pluck a a person out of a movement, make them a star, and therefore essentially render them ineffective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because suddenly you over Mm -hmm. here doing all this other stuff instead of the work and or you become so comfortable Mm -hmm. in the celebrity that you stop telling the truth because you don't want to piss the people off that gave you, quote unquote, the, 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 the platform. And that's not to say that everybody who is visible is not operating with integrity but it is to say that if you are highly visible in this work you have to be extremely careful and operate with so much clarity and intention be willing to be open to correction because you're going to be wrong all the time and you have to be humble Mm -hmm. enough to -hmm. keep improving your practice um so like i start every day in prayer um and every day in prayer because i'm like i'm trying to stay in my lane i'm not trying to be like you know well this person has so and uh, uh, this number of followers that this person was on this panel with this person or this person has so and so's personal cell phone number no 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 no. god there's work that you gave me to do there are skills that you gave yes. me to use in this mm-hmm. moment that's it period um and so I, I really do try to root myself in that and one of the questions that i really had to wrestle with in the early days of this, when my name started to be known to people was, do you want credit or do you want change? Because there are Mm. people who will argue till they are blue in the face. Well, I started this. Well, I'm the one who researched this. And I'm not saying let people take advantage of your labor, like Mm -hmm. make people recognize you for the work that you have done. But if you Mm -hmm. spend more time doing that than actually trying to put your keep your head down and effectuate the change that you seek, then you've made the wrong choice. Right. And so those are Mm -hmm. the kinds of reflection questions that I wanted people to to really sit with and wrestle with. And I think we do that uh, in the movement space, not just with different groups, but also um, with different racial groups, right? So we'll see people yeah. uh, come out and say, "Well, you know, we it's the it's the not all white people syndrome, or not all white women are Karens." Blah 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 blah. And it's like you want a cookie, and I actually need you to go stop talking to me and go talk to ten exactly. of your white women friends. If you <laughs> so woke, then go get then go wake them up. Ooh, Leave Jesus. me alone. Stop asking me mm. for credit when actually what I'm asking you to do is go change things change things that you benefit from therefore you have more responsibility Mm -hmm. to change them so that's that's one of those things that i think you know one of those reflection questions in those um sheets that are important to this point about language oh (laughs) this is so critically (laughs) important because condescension never set anybody free and i say that because Mm -hmm. folks will sit in the comfort of their homes and look at the television and believe a media, I mean, believe a narrative rather that has been influenced by media. And I say that as somebody who is in media, but who knows that if there are not enough of us in the room deciding which stories get told, deciding what the angle is, deciding what the perspective is, then the, 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 the actual lens that we are seeing is very narrow. 
Um, so people will sit in their the comfort of their homes while other people out there putting their bodies on the line and talk about everything that those people need to do. Never been in this situation, never stepped foot out in it, ne- mm-hmm. don't understand the choices that have to mm-hmm. be made in that moment. Don't don't understand that everybody may not have the same skills that you have to process your pain. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I th- and we have to recognize you sitting there criticizing people and talking about it on Facebook or texting about it with your friends. How are we more free after that? Explain to me how we are more free after that. So part of what giving people different language allows them to do is to remove the judgment from it. So if we Mm -hmm. understand violence to be something that white supremacy enacts on black people every single day, and that is not about what happened to a store, but what happens to black bodies, then we can reframe and reclaim the narrative. Then it can't be about judgment Mm -hmm. for a pair of shoes somebody might have taken, but it can actually Mm -hmm. be about how do I make sure that I'm paying it, that I'm keeping the main thing the main thing, and that I'm Mm -hmm. actually addressing the roots of why you are this angry in the first place. Because the roots of why you're this angry in the first place are the violence that you have been experiencing throughout your entire life as a black person. Your whole life, yes. And 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 life. yeah, okay. Like, I don't have to participate to understand where you're coming from, right? And Absolutely. we have to. So there are there are important language choices. I, I say uprising or rebellion. I do not say riot, um, unless I'm quoting Dr. Mm-hmm. King to remind people that he said a riot is the language of the unheard. So instead of judging mm-hmm. people, why don't you listen? Right. The last part was me, not Dr. King. Um, <laughs> right. And we, we, um, one of the posts that I, I made, I think that's the one you're talking about, Takia. One of these authors talks about breaking into stores, not as violent. Maybe it's not nonviolent, right? That might be a more accurate term. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to prioritize property over people, then actually the question is not what's wrong with the people. The question is what's wrong with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and what's wrong with our systems that people roll out entire tanks to protect some stores, but we have not seen a military level response to the protection of black lives, right? Um, People won't spend the money. People will tell us there's no money to spend. It's a whole lot of money to spend on these police overtime checks okay um and we're paying for that so Mm -hmm. so yeah the language matters the language matters not just in how we treat each other but it matters in how we understand the moment and how we understand the moment dictates whether or not we participate in it and how we participate in it so at to your to you know the to your point around you know the media um or to the conversation discussion we're having around the media and you being a media person a person in the media um since we know that there are, you know, like, uh, since we know that there are some flat out lies being told mm-hmm. about what's going on, um, <clears throat> specific to the cases of, uh, you know, George Floyd and Amar mm-hmm. Arbery and, and Breonna Taylor and the long list of, of individuals that have been killed at the hands of police. Um, I wanted to ask you, like, you know, what are, are there, are there, myths and misconceptions about what's going on are there things are there things that if someone like my grandmother who no matter how much i ask her not to will sit in front of the tv and just watch it and just ingest all of this poison um and uh, like what what do we say how can we arm ourselves um against these these untruths um well, the way that we can arm ourselves against these untruths is having conversations like this and sharing them with our friends and and mm. 
like this is where social media matters, right? The when the su- mm-hmm. second somebody sees your post talking about it differently than they've been talking about it, it gives them an opportunity to try on a different way. Um, so that really does matter. Talk Absolutely. about it, talk about it, talk about it. The more you learn, it's your responsibility to share what you've learned with as many people as you can. Um, <clears throat> I think some of the myths, first of all, one of the important myths um, in with respect to the killings themselves, the, the police violence that took from us George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, the vigilante violence that took Ahmaud Arbery from us, the police violence that took a, a trans brother named Tony McDade from us in um, mm-hmm. Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, the What we need to know, and this is hard for people to understand, police systems and structures lie. <laughs> And because culturally we are, we see police officers not just as heroes, but as infallible heroes, right? I mean, we will think about it. We'll sit there and watch Law and Order SVU and be like, oh, yeah, Vincent Finnegan chased down such and such and so and so. We've watched the narrative of police officers bending the truth pressing the law up to the very edge, right? Forcing confessions out of people. But because it got sold to us as entertainment, we don't actually see anything wrong with it. We don't question, is this actually how police should be acting? So then when we see something like Ava DuVernay's When They See Us... And you watch that questioning mm-hmm. of Corey Wise and she strips the the sexy veneer off of it. And suddenly you like, wait a minute, they totally coerced that thing. They literally fed that young man the lines that they wanted him to say. And they yes. got the answer that they wanted and Absolutely. threw him in jail, even though he didn't do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Until we are stripping away the veneer of infallibility and perfection from police officers, it's going to be hard for us to reckon with the fact that over and over and over again, we see police lie. And I'm not saying I'm not calling mm-hmm. all individual police officers as human beings liars. I am saying, though, that there is a system that allows untruths to be set up in order to protect police. Often that is coming from police unions. I say that as somebody who was a union teacher, who believes in labor, who stands with labor. I'm a supporter of Fight for 15 because people should be making a living wage. So I'm not some like neoliberal union busting shill. But we have to understand that the police unions are not like a teacher's union or a domestic worker's union. They are like the NRA. They are a very Mm -hmm. well-funded special interest group that make politicians so scared that they're afraid to challenge the very idea that police could be imperfect. Some of Mm -hmm. these police unions are raking in a million dollars a month, a month, because if Mm -hmm. you've got a hundred dollar dues being paid by enough police officers, you raking in a million dollars. Imagine how much influence you buy with that. Imagine how many laws you can get changed with that. Some of these laws include, and and police union contracts include things like allowing officers to see the evidence that will be used against them before they are interrogated when they've killed somebody. Right? Crazy. Some of some of these police bills of rights across the country passed by state legislatures that have been influenced by police unions with all of their money and and power. Some of them include things like. allowing people's discipline records to be expunged. So we see we see right. the officer that killed George Floyd had all of these complaints against him. But there are so many mm-hmm. police unions across the country that allow those complaints to be suppressed so that people who should have been off the force a long time ago don't get kicked off the force until right. they literally kill somebody, 
right? Mm -hmm. um, there are even Absolutely. some police bills of rights that uh, that will forbid uh, police officers from being questioned within a certain number of hours when they have killed somebody. So if I can see the evidence mm -hmm. you're going to use against me, and you've suppressed all of the evidence that shows that I have had a problem all these years, and you give me a bunch of extra time to get my story together before you question me, what you think I'm going to do? Get myself exactly. together. It's the system that literally mm -hmm. sets people up for the lie. So even the people that you know who say, I care about my community and that's why I decided to be a police officer, their hearts were probably in the right place. And then they entered a system that set them up for the okie doke to say, you know, we will protect you at all costs, no matter what you do to people. So like one of the myths that people, it, it, this is the hardest one for people to swallow. Just because you read that the police said, this is what happened. That's not necessarily what happened. In the case of Breonna Taylor, they were serving mm -hmm. a no-knock warrant. In, in, the, in the cases of no-knock warrants, which should be illegal across the entire country, mm -hmm. police do not have to announce themselves. So we see her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, shooting back at the door because he says the police did not announce themselves. And he thought it was an intruder, right? The police swore that they announced where the police were coming in. We all think it's like TV, bang, 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 police. It's not like that, right? So he thinks his house is being robbed. Kentucky is a stand your ground state. Mm -hmm. He was a legal gun owner and he defended his mm -hmm. home. He stood his ground. He shot back through the door. Instead of arresting the four men who then proceeded to fire 20 rounds into his home and kill Breonna Taylor while she was in her bed with eight shots from those police officers, they arrested Kenneth Walker for attempted murder because supposedly one of his bullets hit a police officer. Here's what we now know mm -hmm. now that the uh, 911 tape has been released. Kenneth Walker called 911 and said, somebody's trying to get in my house. I think they shot my girlfriend. And it was in, you can literally hear him start to process, oh my God, I think this is the police. If the police announced themselves, would you call 911? Why would you and call would you the police if the police are at the shocked. door? Exactly. exactly. You don't call right. the police if the police are the ones at right. the door. So here we are. The police swore up I and down. See. We said it was us. We said it was us. We said it was us. Not only did Kenneth Walker call 911, several of their neighbors called 911 because they thought that there was an invasion happening in their apartment complex because they didn't hear anybody say it was the police either. The, this particular unit wears no body cams, so we don't have anything that shows us what the truth is except for that 911 tape. But the police swore the entire time that they had announce who they were and now we've got all of this evidence that suggests what that was a lie so the police do not always tell the truth and the idea that we should just automatically believe them because it came out in an official statement with some letterhead on it is actually problematic again i'm not calling yeah. all individual human mm -hmm. beings who are police officers liars i'm saying that there is a system set up that allows and often encourage that encourages them to do so the second myth i think we need to know especially for people like your grandmother who are sitting there watching the protests all night is that all of the property damage that we are seeing is not coming from the people mm -hmm. that they put on screen. Please say that again. Let's be, and I want to be very, very clear about this. And I'm both speaking as a person who is in contact with activists all around the country every single day, every single night, staying up till 3 and 4 a.m., checking in with people, making sure people got safe, hearing the stories, amplifying what they tell me to amplify the next day. Like, I take my direction straight from the ground. But I'm also saying this as a person who watched these things happen with my own eyes in Ferguson, in Baton Rouge, in Baltimore. We have video of police officers in Minneapolis and Seattle just uh, breaking windows. 
We have video uh, from last night in Richmond, Virginia, of police officers driving police cars through protesters, which is the same way that they killed Heather Heyer in uh, Charlottesville. Yep. We have we yep. have video of that police of those police officers in Atlanta breaking into those young people's car, the, the young AUC students breaking into their car and snatching yeah. them tasing out for them. tasing yep. them for tasing absolutely them no reason. The These are things that you may not see on your television screen, but we are capturing them. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to spread mm -hmm. them through social media. They're challenging images. Right. And if you do not have the emotional stomach at that point to watch them, then don't watch them. But mm -hmm. know that that evidence is being documented because we have to be able to tell the story because the story is not always going to get told right for us. So Absolutely. sometimes we have police mm -hmm. who are causing that damage and, and and or engaging in actual physical violence, not property damage, physical violence against, against protesters unprovoked. We see yep. these videos of officers shoving people who are just standing there firing rubber bullets against people that haven't done anything spray, spraying tear gas and pepper spray directly i mean spraying mace and pepper spray directly into people's faces as they're crossing the street right ridiculous mm -hmm. stuff we also know that in the last six years white supremacists have gotten even more organized they have gotten uh more mm -hmm. they have they have planned better they have figured out how to give themselves secret signals. They have figured out how to wear the right uniforms that only they know are the uniforms. They will show up at these things masked up. And guess what? With coronavirus, it's even easier to show up in a mask and not have it's anybody easier. be suspicious mm -hmm. of you. Showing up masked up, proclaiming that they are from, that they are an ally, that they are with the team, um, and being the ones who are actually causing this. We even yeah. have some cities, including Baltimore, where people are walking up on the street and there are literal pallets of bricks laying there, yes. daring somebody to pick yes. it up and throw it through a window. When have you ever heard of somebody just leaving some bricks out on the street? Bricks are expensive. Never. You don't just leave them out on the street you <laughs> unless sure you're don't. trying to... <laughs> Unless you're trying to bait somebody into doing something. Absolutely. There's video of this young woman Absolutely. literally running a brick back to white people in a car and saying, why did you give this brick to this black young man? Even by holding it in his hand, he's going to get in trouble. She tosses the brick back in, slams Absolutely. the door and runs away because those people clearly didn't mean her any, any good. And we've even seen white supremacists go so far as to create fake rallies to bait concerning yes, and yes. caring people into false situations where they they are there to either cause property damage and mayhem and then blame it on black people because we're yes. the ones that get arrested or to yep. hurt black people directly, right? We see people, yep. that man in Utah showing up with a bow and arrow, invented an entire story, but was really just sitting there aiming it at okay. people, right? So mm -hmm. the, the, the second myth I think people really need to know is that these are, the, this, protests are difficult spaces to be in because so much is happening at once all the time. Even if there is none of what I'm describing, it's still just a, a difficult place to be. But this narrative that it is black people, black young people in particular, deciding alone of their own volition and primarily being the ones to create this damage is not only far-fetched, it is intentional. Um, mm -hmm. And so we have to make mm -hmm. sure that we are mm -hmm. sharing with people um, uh, what the truth is, because we have absolutely seen legitimate infiltration from not only people who do not mean us well, but people who very, very much mean us harm. And you've got examples, we talked about it last week, where it may not even be um, as organized 
uh, yep. but it's still equally as hateful. The bitch who got banned from Central Park got her dog and her Listen. lost her dog and her job and all of that shit. Mm. Bitches like that. That could have been a whole modern day Emmett Till situation. It could have. And had that man not been there to document every single thing that happened. First of all, my nigga was bird watching. Like bird watching. Let's Let's be be very very clear clear here. How many niggas did y'all grow up with that watch birds? I don't even like watching birds now, and they be chirping, and I'd be like, "Please be quiet, please." Uh uh. (laughs) So he had pleated pants on. My man was out there to watch the birds and ask her to lock up her damn dog on a leash, please, so that they don't disrupt my. Which was my regulation, right? Like who was actually being the quote unquote law abiding citizen in that situation? And and she had the dog all choked up. I mean, she ain't had no business having no dog, no cell phone. That's why they came. They came and got the dog. They had down there. They had to rescue her, rescue life. And this bitch is out here just lying. And had she not been caught on camera, this could have gone a completely different way. Yeah. So it's just, it's evil. It's pure evil. It is. It is evil. I love, I love that you called out, um, you know, police unions Mm -hmm. as, you know, the element of the system that kind of perpetuates, um, you know, you know, this, 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 it's literally like a grid of hate, mm-hmm. like how one thing sets off another thing that sets off Dominoes. another thing that sets off yep. another thing. Um, literally. And that's, I mean, I, I think one of the things that we, I mean, going back to what we talked about earlier about how we have to condition ourselves and do this unlearning, um, like how you don't have to be like anti-blackness is not limited to that's white right. people. Like you can still be black and have that, you know, Ooh. have to, cause these are things You've that we've been steeped yeah. in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Shikana. literally so Sorry. like i think pushing back oh god girl don't What'd get you me say? started on shekinah who was crying shekinah I, um from i didn't even the, watch that video i was like child. in between calls and i had like a bunch of documents i had to push out i was child. like i don't have time to watch this but i saw the tears po thing she was crying child. over gucci child. i'm like but have like, you cried you over over head over head uh george floyd face. girl get out of my face <laughs> i was so irritated <laughs> i just it's but just you know irritating. what though like these are the moments when I'm like, yo, who has her? Like, here, here's what I mean by that. Having worked at predominantly white right. organizations, when, when I am so grateful for all of the black Absolutely. mentors, black women in particular, who when they saw me going left, they pulled them coattails and they were like, like baby, but like, hold Excuse on. Me. And, <laughs> and to be to very clear, what they were not doing was telling me to assimilate. What they were doing was telling me to protect mm-hmm. myself. They were saying, while I am out here blocking Absolutely. and tackling for you, while I am out here trying to change the game and actually make this a fundamentally more equitable place, I need you to make sure that you can be good mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. That doesn't mean don't push back. That doesn't mean don't be honest, but do it in such a way that you are always proud of exactly what you're saying. Right. And I'm grateful for those people who said that one, I got her. Right. And Mm -hmm. then they taught me to say, to Mm -hmm. look at other people and say that one, I got that one. Right. Mm -hmm. Who has her? Absolutely. Who, who, who is picking up the phone and saying, Hey sis, I know you really love your Gucci headband, but (laughs) It, you, you're still, you're still worthy if you don't have it. You don't need mm-hmm. to shed any tears mm-hmm. over it, right? And mm-hmm. here, here let, let's read this book together, right? Let's listen to this podcast. Let's right. go to this talk together, right. sis. Like, talk to me, please, because I, I think that there's a, like, I, I get it. I was annoyed with it too, but like, who has her, right? Like, we talked about that with Kanye. Like, there are rappers that I know who mm-hmm. know him, and I've been like, who called him? 
you got his phone number? Did you call him? Yeah. Y'all both from the shot town. And the ones who really got it were like, I didn't catch him before he got to this point. And that's on me, right? Mm -hmm. And look, mm -hmm. if, if you give somebody the knowledge and they still reject it, you did your job, right? You did. But it's like, did. we still we still got to have each other enough to be able to say, I love you enough to tell you the truth. And that is a, a radical act of love. And to tell you the truth in such a way that invites you to know the truth too. Um, and I, I, I hope, I hope, somebody on you know the family hustle i hope somebody <laughs> called her up and said hey sis that ain't it if you no, want some actually, Gucci, you can come Tory right Lanes. in my closet like don't do it it was tory, tory lane who got her together i mean when i tell you he gained a fan see you never I, know you I never know he got her right together tap. and like was very he was very uh um, you never know he didn't mince any words he was See? straightforward and direct, and he was like, no, girl, let me tell you where you had this whole thing fucked up. See? It Absolutely. And that kind of accountability is, is what we need. It's, we need yeah. it individually in our personal Absolutely. relationships. But also, that accountability is critical to dismantling these systems, like police Absolutely. unions and those kinds of things. And I know that that is one of the elements of, you know, Campaign yeah. Zero's work. Um, so can we talk a little bit about, about, yeah. about that? Um, I mean, and campaignzero.org is available for your review. Um, and I encourage you all to, to, to visit it and utilize the resources that are available to it. But just, we, we, this kind of accountability, this calling out and yeah. calling in, we, we really kind of like build, build yeah. that space. So we, um, we created Campaign Zero because we live in a world, we believe we can live in a world where the police don't kill people. And mm -hmm. we dare to have the radical imagination that says it doesn't have to be campaign fewer or campaign half or campaign 10%, but campaign zero. If you look mm -hmm. at other nations similar to ours across mm -hmm. the world, they actually don't kill nearly as many people. The police don't kill ne nearly as many people as are killed here in America, if any mm -hmm. at all. It's because mm -hmm. of a lot of the solutions mm -hmm. that you find on that website. So join campaignzero.org. We have 10 policy platforms um, or t one policy policy platform with 10 bucket areas rather a lot of people back in 2014 when ferguson was happening was like well if all the cops just wore body cameras we'd figure this out clearly we know that's not actually cops cover up their body cameras they turn them off they use them to surveil people and black people have been under surveillance for a long time so what we really tried to do was be comprehensive and say it's not about a single policy or a single solution it is actually about looking at this from all angles to get to a place where as a first step we dramatically reduce the amount of police violence that first step is on mm -hmm. a long pathway to actually just reimagining what safety looks like period just because we've all always had police forces this way doesn't mean we always have to have them just because it's always been somebody mm -hmm. with a badge and a billy club and a uniform walking around doesn't mean that's what actually keeps our neighborhood safe so what if we make it safe enough for us to actually get to the place where we can imagine what the world looks like period um and, and that's what campaign zero is all about so there's everything from demilitarizing the police and and disallowing them to use weapons of war on um on everyday citizens um there are things like uh, like reviewing police union contracts and identifying all the things that are harmful in there so that we can overturn them. Use of force policies is actually one of our biggest pieces of the platform because we did additional research there. And we essentially found eight very mm -hmm. simple use of force policies, things like not shooting at a moving vehicle, uh, banning the use of chokeholds. Um, 
de-escalating a situation, carrying less than lethal weapons. There are eight use of force policies that literally if police departments, not governors, presidents, state legislatures, mayors, police departments go into their manual and they change the manual to include those eight things and then train their police officers on those eight things, it can reduce the amount of police who kill people by up to 70 percent 70 percent we're not talking about 15 Mm. 10 70 percent if you Mm -hmm. adopt all eight of these things the research shows that you can reduce the number of police who kill people by up to 70 percent um it doesn't cost any money too which is all what we hear from people well this is too expensive the body cameras are too expensive where are you going to store them well you know all the cloud storage alone is going to be too expensive for the guess what eight policies that you can go in your computer right now press Delete, copy, paste, put them in. We've already written the policies for you, and you can reduce police violence by up to 70%. Those are at joincampaignzero.org in the section on use of force policies. Um, and all we have to do is put pressure on our um, police chiefs and mayors to actually make the change. Uh, mm-hmm. So so we wanted to do that not be instead of protest. And this is a really important point. Protest creates the pressure. Policy is the plan, right? That was very... Mm-hmm. That yeah. was very Baptist preacher of me because I think I just used four P's. Alliterative. But y'all know Go what I mean. Um, so <laughs> if the people on the street are who make the politicians actually pay attention to us, right? Dr. King talks about this in a letter from Birmingham mm-hmm. jail. I have to create the crisis in order for you to come to the negotiation table with me. So people, what they're doing right mm-hmm. now is creating the crisis. So then we have the plan to be mm-hmm. able to say, all them people at your front door, you know what will make them go home? If you actually address the conditions that brought them outside in the first place. Here's how you do that. And I fully believe that nothing about me should ever be done without me. So I don't need you to, I'm, I can go read the research. I can go talk to the academics. I sat on President Obama's policing task force. I learned a bunch of stuff. We went to a whole bunch of cities, learned from a bunch of people. We, we can build the team, and we have. To, to put the right things in the document, continue to get feedback from people and sharpen it. But like, I don't, I don't, I don't actually need white people to go and tell me what liberation looks like for me. Mm. We've already written it for you. All I need you to do is sign on the dotted line. And mm. there was a time in 2014, 2015, when a lot of people, Hillary Clinton in particular, were like, well, what's the plan? And we were like, mm, ah, here it is. We got one right here. Mm-hmm. So um, you all yeah. might have seen President Obama released a, a piece today where he pointed people toward the organizations that they can learn from, get involved with, get activated on. Uh, Campaign Zero is one of those because really this is about taking all yes. this energy we have right now and actually mm-hmm. getting the change. The good news is like we are so much further along than we were six years ago, not necessarily in how the police are treating us, but in terms of what we know about how to fix it. We just didn't have this kind of data and research six years ago when we were in Ferguson. We're not caught flat footed this time. So we actually have the ability to um, tell people what the policy is and, and, and push them to make it happen. Which is why, like you said, protest is important because it's going to put that pressure on them. Yep. And now that policy is already in place. So half of the work is already done. That's all it is. We just need politicians well, to shows. be, you know, I don't know, mildly courageous to do what they actually <laughs> tell, told their constituents <laughs> they do in the first place. Ooh, absolutely. 
it just illustrates the point that was made earlier about how, how all the pieces yeah. are important and how they all work together again to be a black people <laughs> to work together <laughs> to really move us forward in the direction that we need uh that that we need to go so um i don't want i know you've got you know lots of things to do we don't want to hold you um we want to thank you um before we go i want to ask you a very critical yes. question that i don't know if anybody's asked okay. you today um but it's important mm -hmm. to us how are you i appreciate that how you are know what you? i it, it comes in waves right uh four days ago i was good and then later that same night i was mm. not good and then the next morning i was eh, and it comes in waves but i will tell you that today on today to keep with the the preacher theme on today <laughs> i am just feeling full up of like all the black women inside me believing fully that mm. we can win so today i'm mm. good like i'm tired yeah. but i'm good you know what i'm saying like i don't know when we not tired but <laughs> um sure. I, today i am feeling um today i'm feeling the good fire and um i am mm. i'm i'm glad about it and so i'm gonna I'm use it till it burns out and then figure out how to refuel it and what you listening to? We love to see it. Oh, what am I listening to? Uh, I mean, that Versus the other night was so great. All my little black church kid dreams were just <laughs> living in our time. Wasn't it our time? We were finally on top for one night. <laughs> we have been waiting patiently yes. for just one time. And it was I want to thank Swiss and Timberland for giving us your enjoyment. I sat there and ate my rice because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> When Crystal, when, when Crystal posted so that DW uh, meme waiting outside the gate during the Beanie and Bounty versus, and I'm in there just boyaka boyaka, I felt exactly. like that during the during the gospel verses. I was Listen, like, I'm gonna yeah, just be we right traded outside places, the gate, but it's cool. <laughs> we had we had a awesome yeah. time. We are we are uh, appreciative. So grateful. Of you I'm appreciative of you all. I, you know, I recognize that. We all contain multitudes, and I always have so much respect for black folks who are unafraid to let all of our sides live, right? And we can talk about the serious stuff and still laugh because we need that. Uh, we deserve to have joy. Absolutely. Joy is That's one it. of the purest forms of rebellion that there is because they definitely That's don't it. want us to be happy. So I appreciate you all for allowing me to have the conversation and, and making sure that you all's incredible listeners are, um, are about that life because we already know you two are, so... Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mama are, You're always welcome down to the kitchen. You One sure day we're going to have a conversation that's not serious. Like, I'm going to come back and we can just talk about all the ratchet stuff. Oh, no, dead <laughs> yes. ass. We've already heard your life, Jennings. You gave me everything <laughs> I needed with that impersonation, so we hey, need yo, more of you. that. You forgot about that. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you go be yes, a busy we have woman. To have that and we're we going to let you go. All right. And Absolutely. we'll see you again soon. We're behind you. We're behind you. We're we behind you 100%. We're Absolutely. proud of y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ben and Jerry's Thank you. three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. So many non-dairy flavors, so little time. Ben and Jerry's has three new non-dairy frozen desserts made with sunflower butter. The Ben and Jerry flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their new non-dairy flavors are the perfect sweet treats for vegans, vegetarians, and everyone in between, specifically me because I like chicken. I do bang with these um, vegan uh, desserts, though. They taste amazing. 
Um, I think my favorite so far is the creme brulee. Um, it really exceeded my expectations. It felt I didn't feel any different going vegan for the going uh, vegan for the first time in the dessert arena because I have to tell you that it didn't taste like I was eating a vegan dessert. It really tasted amazing. Um, I am really excited to try new flavors. I tried the mint chocolate one, and I was really excited that it didn't taste like my Lanta. I really enjoyed them. They were very tasty, um, and I would highly recommend that you uh, get into them. So check out the Ben & Jerry's Sunflower Butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. Com, com, com. Honestly? Truly. All right, now that graduation season is over, we have time to get back to our honesty boxes, and we've had a couple of them waiting in the inbox. So I think, sis, we should do a mailbag soon. I'm ready, whenever you are. I think we should do that soon. But tonight we're going to do one of our honesty boxes. So would you like to give our fresh new honesty box a uh, our listener a pseudonym? Sure. How about... Um, Dana. Dana. All right. She says, good morning, aunties. I love you ladies. First and foremost, your graduation announcements is what I strive for next year. I will hear my shout out. Yes, you will. A pseudonym can be given. We already did the work for you. Yeah. Choose away. Okay. So last year, me and my boyfriend slash co-parent had a bad breakup. Needless to say, we worked it out and got back together. We even went to therapy. The problem is one of my long-term best friends was not here for us getting back together as if the man physically threatened my life. Mm. I'm not taking away from her anger because I was angry too, but I feel like as a friend, she should have supported me through my decision. She started disrespecting him and now she isn't allowed in my house anymore. Mm. It caused an uproar in my relationship and everything. Completely destroyed my peace uh, me and her relationship is not the same and I love my friend, but I'm the type of friend that will help you fight your spouse and cry at y'all's wedding unless it was life threatening Then I might not cry, but I'll definitely still stand by you. I know I can't expect for her to react like me, but at least uh, be my friend like I've always been hers. I even asked her to change her ways and sis literally said no. So I keep my distance. We're still friends, but not as close. Am I wrong for feeling like this and keeping distance? Thanks, ladies, for your input. Yikes. So, is she wrong for keeping distance? Um, so, my question is, I don't know if I have a... I'll, I'm going to just say this, and then I'm going to... We can talk, like, I want to hear what you have to say, and then maybe I will get some the clarity that I think I'm missing. So is it that the best friend disrespected her or disrespected him? Because I heard that she was no longer welcome in, she's, she's no longer welcome in my home. Is that your call or your man's call? Because I feel like... Well, she disrespected him is what it says. She disrespected him. And so then I think I'm asking, like, did your man put her out or did you put her out? Because that's not clarified. I feel like if it is, if it is a, 
I, I think that's where I'm getting hung up because I, I feel like if her if, if this if this friend has an issue with my man and I don't personally have an issue with her, like perhaps there is way, ways that we can um, maintain a connection, you know, outside of the house. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like separate from my relationship. Mm-hmm. Like um, maybe we meet for drinks. Maybe we talk on the phone. Maybe we have, you know, set times that we come together. Um, you know, if that's a possibility, if you want to maintain connection with your friend, maybe that you, maybe it's just that you guys have to connect differently. But if mm-hmm. you're saying that you're wrong, like if you, because I, I, I feel like that's just a different, that changes the nature of the question. Because if it's like mm-hmm. she, you know, if, if, if Dana got into it with old girl and they have beef now, and you know that's that's the source of the distance then i i would say no you shouldn't feel bad but if you feel guilty because the source of the distance is now that your man and your friend don't get along and you feel like you're in the middle it's because you are and then i think you and you you need to make a decision i think i i think in that case i would i would you know then ask myself the question of like is it that i don't want to have any connection with her um at all or is it just that you know i have to connect with her differently given um the choice that i made to stay in this relationship and then you know if the nature of your relationship has to change now then it's and it's a consequence of that um and that's not a judgment because i don't know you know i don't know the nature of the beef so it's hard for me to choose a side i'm just trying to think about this objectively and i don't know if i made sense but i hope i did i understand the uh you made perfect sense I understand the term bros before hoes, and I live by that for mm-hmm, the most part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as grown people, we have to understand that there are different people in our lives for different reasons, and there may be times where a, f- a friend, a loved one, a, a family member, or somebody may end up with somebody that you don't necessarily care for. That happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, But as grown people, it is our duty and our responsibility to be respectful and act like we were raised, obviously, unless it's extenuating circumstances and it's somebody who is disrespecting your loved one. Um, Otherwise, what I found is that you put your loved one in an awkward situation, which is what it sounds like your friend has done to you. And... Um, I know she's not the one who asked this question, but this is why it's hard for a lot of people to open up about certain things within their relationships. Right. Because friends, being friends, being sisters, we adopt the energy and adopt the attitude of what our friend is. Like, I f- yeah, fuck that nigga, girl, I stand with you. But also we have to understand as grown people that relationships are very complicated, <laughs> And you can have that stance, but you also need to understand there is a very real chance that people can end up back together. It could be situations like this where now they don't get along. And so anyway, I'm talking all over no, the place. No, you're, sense. Um, you're not wrong for having to keep distance because it is a very awkward situation for you. Now, I hope that you all have been able to clearly communicate And you can let her know, like, hey, girl, I love you no less. I love you. But 
Unfortunately, this is my relationship. This is a household that we share together. And on the flip side of things, I wouldn't want somebody in my house who, who have him have somebody in my house who disrespects me. Absolutely. So I, in turn, don't want to have somebody in the home who is making him feel uncomfortable in a home that is his as well. And you're not wrong for that feeling, you know? So I hope um, that that helps. Uh, you, you said, you know, that was seemed to be the question you asked. Are you wrong for feeling uh, the way, way that you do and having to keep distance? You're not wrong for that because life is about making decisions. And sometimes, you know, those decisions work in our favor. And sometimes it shifts different relationships right. and different dynamics. And that's just kind of that's just kind of adulthood. So please, Dana, keep us updated um let us know if things change for you if you know they get a little bit a little better between your friend and your and your partner and we hope for the best um we're going to start to really get back into our honesty box questions so continue to send them to getting grown podcast at gmail.com and we'll move into our black woman self-care okay i deserve all right it is time for black women self-care and um i <clears throat> alluded to this um when we opened the show but my black women self-care this this week has definitely been the, the team typing fast virtual writing groups um writing groups was definitely uh an essential element of my survival in graduate school um just kind of you know when left to my own devices i'm very distracted even by my own thoughts. So sometimes being isolated and having lots of things to do um, can set me back. So I, I I learned very quickly in the game that literally just being in company with other people who also had work to do and, you know, sitting and doing work together was something that helped me um, kind of remain true to task and kind of get through all of my to-dos and deliverables. So I wanted mm-hmm. to, um, you know, after I got out of graduate school, I still needed that energy to kind of get through the day-to-day work um, that is my work. So, um, you know, Team Typing Fast, we created it as, as an element to create infrastructure for this developing these types of communities um, and as, as systems of accountability and support. Um, and so, you know, things have kind of, you know, we, we've had... We've got the social media stuff that we do and we've been blessed to do these events um, and wanted to kind of, you know, the, the Teen Tapping Fast Facebook group where we share information and resources and kind of talk about all kinds of things. Um, but I had gotten kind of honestly gotten away from, you know, actually building out and creating these these um, the infrastructure to kind of have these digital working sessions. Um, so literally in my feelings and feeling like, man, it seems like everybody else. And I mean, true transparent moment, getting caught up in like, you know, uh, comparing and, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, dang, it seems like everybody else is just thriving and doing better. It seems like the, the, the quarantine is not an issue for a lot of people, people out here making money and still doing events and being on panels and kind of get lost in that. And when I, when I, when I got back to myself, focused in on myself and what it was that I wanted to do from the beginning, the kind of work that I wanted to do from the beginning, I was brought right back full circle to what um, it was supposed to be. And I didn't have mm-hmm. any, I didn't have any 
formal plan. I didn't have a team. I didn't have, uh, you know, a, a strategy, a rollout. It was like an idea. And I didn't let myself get distracted by trying to figure out all the how to's. The thought came to me. I literally got up, created a Zoom. I, I, I researched and figured out how do you get people like a sign up. I found that cheap little website called Sign Up Genius. And I literally just mm-hmm. posted in my stories like, hey, I think I'm going to jump on Zoom and have a writing group. And, you know, let me know if, if it's something that you're interested in. And just not really thinking anybody would care. Not really thinking anybody would, you know. Why wouldn't they But no, I'm just saying. Like, Dr. Kia. No, but I mean, it wasn't because I don't feel like I'm selling anything. This I don't get in here and give any tips and tricks and resources. I'm not giving any sort of information. I'm not, you know, we don't even really talk that much outside of introducing ourselves and getting to work. It's literally space. Like, it's literally us creating space. For us to kind of just exactly. sit around and do our work. And I don't necessarily see that as a commodity. So I was I was in my head concerned. Like, I don't know. People may not. People may be like, what, what is this? What the heck is she doing for doing this for? But I was surprised. I did one on Wednesday. Ended up doing another one. Um, I think I might have done. I don't remember if I did. Two, I think I, I think I did one on. I know that I did one on Wednesday. I know I did one on Saturday. I know I did one on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. But but um, literally, they became, it, it, it felt like I got my spark back. I had kind of been in a lull, like feeling like my writing was dead. It was just not like, I, I hated doing it. I felt like it wasn't coming out. Um, but it wasn't, it, it was, it was like, it was like, whatever it was, it pushed me right back into the space and literally like Mm -hmm. it was how I had to structure out my time because it's like you know you got to do this work and you got to move so if I say that I'm writing from this hour to this hour and I have other people with Mm -hmm. me then I'm holding myself accountable to that schedule um but literally all of them like they're small because I wanted to kind of you know do them uh be, be modest first one maybe like the first one was maybe like 10 then i bumped up to 15 then i bumped up to 25 every one of them the so the, the signups were booked like filled up before the thing started see um so i stand corrected right and it was literally just like another demonstration of how i gotta just get out of my head and stop thinking about how to roll it out in this big grand fashion and it's like girl just do it um so the team type fast virtual writing groups are a thing now i'm going to officially try to do at least one a week my plan is to do one on this coming wednesday afternoon um and i might up the ante a little bit and add a few more people to the sign up but look for that it will be in my stories i'm going to continue to try to do i'm and i'm gonna i'm gonna hold myself accountable to make this be a regular sort of programming kind of element of the team typing fast entity whatever it is where we mm-hmm. build digital infrastructure and create space for women to sit down and do the work we sit around we talk about making plans and making strategies and then everyone is released to kind of do them on their own no we talk about what we need to do and we sit down and do it right then and we check in with each other on the hour and say how's it going um and it's and it's no pressure right so if you say oh i didn't do this much this hour then it's like you know then you know, but I'm committed to doing this. And this kind of like saying, mm-hmm. saying, saying it and being in that community really did push me. And I've been so overjoyed by all the people that have DM'd me and and left comments and reached out to me and said, girl, I have gotten more done. I got more done this, this day than I have in a long time. This space was what I needed. I've been so distracted. I didn't plan on doing mm. any work today, but you helped me to do this work. So I felt really jazzed and empowered 
Um, and it, 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 it wasn't, I wasn't doing it for y'all. I literally was doing it for me, but, but, <laughs> but in the, in the, in the, you know, in the process, we were able to push each other, which is absolutely the essence of what it's supposed to be. So that's a very long explanation of what my black women self-care is, but my black women self-care is by far, um, creating space and, and, um, for, for myself and others to literally sit down and do our work together and pull each other through and forward. And it was just awesome. Cause like people were in there working on personal statements and applying mm. to law school, applying to, to master's mm. program. People, people were in there, you know, another, a one lady, young lady by the name of Ashley, her mom is, you know, starting a social services sort of organization. And Ashley was writing the grant to get funding for that. Um, you know, the people were in there. Do you, this is, like, this is activism literally like in a group book manuscripts, people like book manuscripts, people writing, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I've got a book chapter. I'm revising this. I'm working on that. You know, I've, you know, teachers, educators in there working on curricula, working on, working on their syllabi, developing courses, doing grading. And we were all just sitting there, sitting down and doing the work. But it, instead of us doing it alone in isolation on the quarantine, we were just on the Zoom and we were still physically uh, by ourselves, but it didn't feel like it. Um, and I had a little team time and fast playlist and we just had our tunes and I could share the audio from my computer. And we just, mm -hmm. you know, in the chat was popping folks would enter the chat and say little things. And it was just like it felt like we were all literally having it was a writing retreat which is a, uh, which is what I would love to do like when we can like actually move about again like to host a writing retreat in some beautiful place but that's neither here Work, nor there sis. um I'm Work. I'm trying and I I mean that was really it just it was a spark doing... it gave me a push and I just loved it and that was my longest black women self care in the history of life and I'm going to shut up <laughs> I'm so sorry you're not trying you're doing we're grateful we're that's so grateful. important work do you hear that this is people who are applying to law school and we're going to need that representation in our future. These are people who are writing grants, like you said, for the betterment of black people in different areas. Like this is important work and you provided a space when people may not be there mentally to be able to do that themselves. I mean, anybody can do yoga in their living room. There's people like me who enjoy doing yoga in the living room or in the bedroom. And then there's people who like to go to the groups because it motivates them and it pushes them and they want to ha in person. Yeah. And so... You know, you're providing a space for all of you guys to ha, but you know, with your keys. <laughs> um, my black woman self-care this week, I have a little two-part black woman self-care. The first one, I think I've spoken on it before, but I'm really proud because I'm actually doing. So I'm proud of you too. I told you I, and the quarantine has really pushed me into this at the top. You know, I went through the very many stages, the very mental and emotional stages that we have all gone through in this, the motivation to like redecorate my entire house, to being angry and depressed, to sitting in the bed and eating an entire tub of peanut butter pretzels, to, Delicious. you know, <laughs> you know, st like just stirring, walking back and forth for no reason, just the many stages of, of living in a pandemic. Um, but one of the things I've been talking about since before the pandemic and then said at the top of it is I wanted to really make my seating area niggas outside. All the time. So I wanted to make a seating area for in my room 
Um, and I have a large room. So we have a corner that I specifically designated to that seating area. And I've been talking about this for a little over a year now and did not do anything with it. And I officially started reorganizing my closet to move things in there. Bought a giant snake plant with a beautiful plant holder. Mm. Ordered my floor pillows. Ordered a, a chair, an end table. And all I need is like a lamp and maybe a couple more plants. And my seating area is completely done. I love it. And so I am very happy that I've created a corner in my home. I spend the majority of the time in my room as it is. My family occupies the living room. The living room is not mine. And so um, you have to create my room space. is my sanctuary. You've been telling me I that. had to create it. I'm creating yes. space. I think so we deserve I, look, to you have. You want to see my Maurice? Yes. Oh, Maurice has Wait, a uh, look at Maurice's brother. Oh uh, no, Maurice has mad siblings in the front of the house, but this is Maurice's like big brother. <laughs> so, you see, there's a baby Maurice behind me. Maurice's <laughs> brother. We have to name him. Oh, oh let's see. Let's name him. Um, hmm. what is he is his he, name is george 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 greenleaf i love it george greenleaf that's george Maurice greenleaf and george right yes and that's in honor of of george floyd may he rest yes. he was he was an uncle just like i every, saw him you po- he was somebody him. that we know yes indeed yeah i mean he just reminds you of somebody that you know and somebody that would like clean your car off if it's snowing yeah <laughs> like you know somebody come and shovel your you know just that uncle just, he'll come and fix your car you can call him if you have a flat like, and so i just love it you know we send we send our love um but the second part of my black woman self-care is actually not for myself mm. so a part of my black woman self-care and giving unto others. I wanted my my sis has been focusing on her work and also helping you niggas do your work. Oh, and so what are you doing? <laughs> in order for her to create space what are you doing? for you all, I wanted to create space for her. So Keisha and I oh boy. Uh, got together oh and boy. channeled our oh. inner Kia because we know what she likes <laughs> and put together a registry for her new home. What are you guys doing? Remember, uh, a housewarming is for uh people who bought homes not <laughs> rented um oh, so oh gosh i say my watch my sis work very very hard oh, for a very goodness. long time and she's very grateful for this piece of the pie that she Whew. has worked really hard for and she did not ask me to do this I did not. And so she's <laughs> over here having an entire panic attack yeah. i'm just ignoring it um and this is not by any means a push this is not an ask mm. this is not um, a pressure it is nothing like that but we i've been asked and so if you are interested whatsoever in um wow. helping kia to celebrate uh a really huge accomplishment um i have provided just a little link in the description box you know that's just between me and you oh, and wow, uh you know we can just act like he is not in the room <laughs> And, <laughs> and uh yeah so again that's not any pressure but if you are one of those people wow, that's wow, asked wow, and wow, you're wow. wondering what's going on it's in the description box and for the nosies mm. who have no good intention whatsoever of wanting to contribute to anything and this is coming strictly from jade this does not represent the ideas of getting grown or dr takia nicole robinson oh gosh if you just want to be nosy and see what the hell i put on the registry then I would admonish you to keep your opinions to yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Thank you. Um, but if you want to provide in the well wishes and you want to sprinkle a little bit of this light on of a little bit of a blessing onto somebody oh. who's worked really, really hard and pay that forward, then there is a link there for you to contribute to. And I will be done. We can move along to the petty piece. That's so crazy. <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. Listen. Um, time. Jade is a terrorist. Listen. A little bit. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe <laughs> there have been people who have reached out to me and asked and I just didn't know how to answer them. I don't know anything about these things. That's why you get people like me in your life. I'll oh. just do it for you. The thing is, fine. I appreciate this. This is a push. I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm that, I want us to have a show about this in the future sometime. I just don't know how we have to think about how to do it. But all of this um, is really kind of kicked up my imposter syndrome in ways that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talked mm -hmm. to Jay a little bit about this last night. Like, you know, the house is here and it's a thing and I'm so super grateful, but I, I have been walking around it like scared that they're going to come and take it back um, and afraid to really like live in it and make it mine. And I've, and I've lived like a graduate student for so long, even after graduating, um, working hard for this goal uh, to reach this goal and now that it's here it's it still doesn't feel real but i'm really trying to be a grown-up and you know not buy things at ikea <laughs> um listen and it has been it's hard because i i don't want to be i don't want to be um uh, irresponsible or i, I want to be a good steward i want to make good choices um but i recognize that you know it's it's a home and, and it's an investment and I deserve to have That's a it. nice I deserve to have a nice space. Um, but I am starting from I nothing. said I asked Kia when Kia was talking about all this, I said, Well, let me ask you a question. Do you want a diamond no marble <laughs> encrusted comforter set? No. Or like you want some Swarovski or however the <laughs> fuck you pronounce that crystalled uh, vanity no you don't but you bought a home and my uncle gerald taught me a lesson a long time ago that i have to actually continuously remind myself of now because uh, you didn't ask for yourself and i would never sit up here and parade for you all and be like so y'all niggas want to buy me stuff mm -mm. and you can't <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's just and that's just me as a person there's no shame but my uncle gerald told me a long time ago when somebody offers you a gift you say thank you and I know a lot of us are conditioned to be like, nah, you ain't have to do that. Da, 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 da. But nah, like you say, thank you. Because if somebody is offering you a gift or they're giving you a gift, it's because they want to. And it's actually insulting to not accept that gift and say thank you. And that is also um, in other cultures where it is, it is insulting to not accept a gift that you've been offered. And so, and I'm not talking about the gift that a lot of you niggas are trying to give. But <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants your bow-wrapped dick. Listen. But um, I am saying that to say when people have asked you how they can contribute to your journey, how they can celebrate you in your journey, then, you know, if they are asking to do that, that's when you provide that. You're not out here begging on the side of the highway you know what i'm saying like this is this is this is a celebration of you and there are people who want to partake in that happy journey especially now in this world that we're living in they're like you know there are people 
I did my live and I was like, listen, if you want to contribute, you know, for buying groceries or just for the mm -hmm. time or what have you, go ahead, do what you do, do what you want to do. But this is by no means pressure or asking. And there are people who like, yo, I'm still good and I want to do this. I want to pay this forward to you. So that's just a little something for you. But we got petty peeves to get into. So let's get into those. Thank you, sis. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate any anybody who wants to help me. I I don't yay, think yay. <laughs> And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey, honey. All right, I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm. This is not so petty, but it is a peeve, and I feel like you know it is an appropriate time to say what I have to say. So mm. you know, those of us who work and live amongst white people, um, it's oftentimes that after something like this, you know, people feel inclined to say things. <laughs> um. And I just, I just want to, uh, I just feel like I should help somebody. So, mm. um, you know, you get some, you get, you get people, you know, you, you, people ask you how you doing. And if you say anything other than I'm okay, or I'm fine. Um, or if you just kind of like, you know, I'm saying like, you know, I'm, I'm dealing, you know, with, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot going on right now. I'm dealing with that, you know or you, you share certain things about your life or your experience with, with a person, not for any sort of, uh, it's not, it's not that you're, you're pandering for any kind of attention. You, they just ask you a question and you just decided to ask answer honestly in that moment. But then you get like an email later on that says like, you know, if you ever need to talk or, um, you know, I, I just been thinking about what you said and I've just been thinking about, you know, holding you in my thoughts or, you know, I have also seen, um, posts on Instagram about people from, from people who, and I don't, I don't all the time know that these are people of color posting this, but it's like, you know, there's posts for white people who want to be allies or who want to want to be supportive. And one of the one of the tips or strategies that are shared is like check on your black friend. Let me help you. Mm. If you have never checked on me before, like if if <laughs> you have never reached out to me to see how I was doing, or how I was feeling, now it's not the time for you to do that because I recognize that this is just some way. This is just some. This is you trying to make yourself feel better. This is you trying to appease the own guilt that you have about the the, um, the discomfort that you feel around what you are learning or experiencing about, um, you know, with regard to how people of color are treated in this country um, and, you know, the systemic ways in which our humanity is ignored. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I'm also going to help you uh, really quickly. Um, if you... Uh, like. Um, don't ask me, you know, now it's not the time to pick my brain. Now it's not the time to ask me a quick question about, uh, you know, things with regard to your white identity, whiteness, white privilege, those kinds of things. Um, if you know who I am and what kind of work I do, now it's not the time for you to ask me for advice or feedback or how you should, you know, engage other people of color 
or, you know, what kinds of things that you might want to say or do on your social media with respect to your, your, the people of color who follow you. Um, because that right there is work. It's, mm. it's labor. And one thing that I have learned is that I do not work for free mm. for strangers, especially strangers who have privilege that privileges that I don't. So know that if you jump into, um, I'm a, and I borrowed this from my colleague, Dr. Taylor, who's been on the show before, friends of the show. Dr. Taylor said, yes. if you come up in my inbox with your questions, your quick questions and request to pick my brain, be prepared to receive an invoice. If you come in my inbox, you will receive an mm. invoice. You know what mm. I'm saying? Because these kinds of things are labor. And I'm happy to refer you to my own boutique consultant firm where we can talk about the ways in which you and your institution can work to dismantle and eradicate <laughs> racism. Um, I'm happy to do that for you for a nominal fee, sis. I am. Mm. I am. But we cannot have, we cannot engage in quick water cooler conversation about, uh, you know, all of the intricacies in the in the various ways, um, the the pervasive ways that whiteness has oppressed people of color in this country for the last four hundred years. Okay, mm. so mm. if you want to be helpful, my advice is that you very simply educate yourself. Educate yourself. Read a book ask a question and then be willing to sit with yourself in the discomfort of learning. Learning real learning mm -hmm. always makes you uncomfortable. Real learning should always make you feel it should, should generate some sort of dissonance inside of you. If you are not willing to be uncomfortable, that means that you're not willing to accept what new information that you are receiving. And if you are not willing to accept that new information, then you need to have some reflective conversations with yourself as to why you are so resistant to the fact that people of color, people of any color, black people specifically, deserve the rights to all the liberties and privileges that you have. Even if it means that you got to give some of yours back. Mm. But, you know, I didn't come to preach. So I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I bang with your entire petty piece. The preaching is necessary. Thank you very much. Um, my petty peeve is not petty either this week, uh, just more of a peeve. And this is not for, um, the, this is not for the undercover wolves that we spoke about in the kitchen table. This is for the white kids who call themselves allies who go out and they march. Okay. I'm so happy you want to do something. You want to make your voice heard. You want to make your, your face known, you want to show that you stand with black people. Cool. Um, but stop. Don't, don't, don't instigate. Don't instigate the violence. Like don't instigate the, the, uh, don't instigate anything. <laughs> don't instigate a thing outside of standing your white body in between some police officers mm -hmm. and a black body. That's the best thing that you can do. You can march, you can shout, you can hold your signs up, and you can stand your white body in front of a black body, especially when you see the police starting to get rowdy, because they do. Listen, um, that's, that, you know what we always say, that's what that's where you can put your, your privilege where your mouth is. That's, that's what you do right that's there. That's how you do it. But when you all start throwing trash cans 
and you know doing all types of things so and let me let me be clear I am never, ever, ever going to police and tell a black child how to express their frustration, their anger, and their disappointment in this system and how it continues to fail them on a daily basis. So if you are Shekinah out this bitch with the same mentality, upset that the Gucci store has been vandalized or whatever you want to call it, I, I admonish you to reassess your thinking because if you are not worried about why the child who did this or the person, the man, the woman, the black person who did this, if you are not worried about where the frustration and the anger comes from at the foundation of this, then I don't want to hear nothing you have to say. And so... um but this is for 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 the for my little my little peach babies who are out there marching and you know they want to proclaim to be on the front lines cool i'm not going to tell you that you cannot come to the protest because we need you there you actually serve a purpose but that purpose does not need to be putting um you cuz you already know what they're going to do to these black children mm. you already you already know what they want to do to these black bodies and you know that anything is going to set them off in showing how much they really actually do not value us. Absolutely. We already see it. They're trying to run us over with vans, bikes. My friend Antoinette was out protesting and they physically charged her people. They physically charged them, ran at them. She had to run for five blocks. And so... The police are ready. I drove the other day, had to run an errand, and I'm driving back. And Fran's in the car, me, Fran, and Noah. And it's brigades of police officers in different clusters throughout Brooklyn, swinging batons, looking like they were just ready. So they are already ready. They are already on edge. They already ready to fight with us. They already don't fuck with us. Don't do nothing to help that narrative. Don't do it. And again, this is not, I'm not talking to my, to, my, to, my, to my black people. I'm not talking to us because there is a level of frustration that lives within that causes a range of emotions and causes a range of actions. And all of those different actions are necessary in different areas. But you white people, do, do something useful. Don't do something that's going to harm us even further. Because you know they're going to put that off on us. Well. And that's it. That's my petty peeve this week. We have had an awesome time. I have needed this space together. Thank you to, again to uh, our awesome, amazing, wonderful uh, Kitchen Table Talk guest, Brittany Packnett. One of the greats. Yes, Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Um, literally a legend. Uh, in the making, uh, doing amazing, awesome activism work, eradicating racism and fighting for social mm -hmm. justice um, in so many different spaces, right? So it's just it's just amazing to have her on, to share with us, um, and we don't take that for granted. So thank don't. you guys for listening. Stay safe, protect yourselves, 
um, be informed, be empowered, mm-hmm. be re- mm-hmm. be resilient, and um, insist upon being yourself, even in your protest. Lean into who you are and think about how all of the things that you do will affect change where you are right now. It doesn't have to be grand, but what can you do to make a difference? We all have something. That's it. That's it. So, with that being said, man, we can just wrap this thing on up, right? So tell them what to do, sis. Well, everybody drink your water because we all need to keep our bodies hydrated at this time. Uh, continue to lotion your knees and your ankles because um, a global pandemic nor a very uh, necessary protest Neither one of those are excuses for us to walk around ashy. (laughs) And (laughs) thirdly, (laughs) mind your business, especially if you don't have anything useful to add to the conversation. Wow. Mm. Hear that outside. (laughs) Listen to it. (laughs) And uh, do all of that because why, sis? Because your black will crack if it's dry. Bye. Peace out. Ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. The Ben and Jerry's flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their three new non-dairy flavors, which are extremely delicious, are made with sunflower butter. And they're the perfect sweet treat for vegans, vegetarians, and people like Kia and myself, which is everyone in between. Check out the Ben and Jerry sunflower butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at Ben Jerry dot com that's b-e-n-j-e-r-r-y dot com